Presents Football Time. Hey, hey, welcome to the Football Time Podcast. We're here to do our NFL Week 15 recap and review. And we're with our man. He's a little saltier this week. I think there's hatred in those eyes, acid in the heart this week. But he's here with us, our man. Achilles rain, a bitter Achilles rain. But how are we doing today? Uh, I've gone uh, full old school, uh, full old school mode right now, as you can tell. Um, I'm embracing the uh, the old L.A. Ram- St. Louis Rams feelings right now. So, <laughs> well, you could embrace the old L.A. Rams. We can go back to Eric Dickerson style, depending how ba- far back we want to go. Uh, I-, I think that right now I- I'm. I'm pretty down, but uh, I think I'm going to get through this. Are we going to get through it? You, you, you brought life to the NBA show yesterday, but uh, we got to recap these games. I, I think there's going to be some tough ones in here for you. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a tough week. Uh, I was a little overzealous, I think, uh, coming into this week, but overall, there were a few surprises, a few things that we kind of expected, and. Uh, the storylines just seem to be getting better and better as the season progresses. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing, though, that uh, can give you a little glory is uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, took all the bluster out of your Rams uh, <laughs> loss by uh, somehow managing to lose to a, a team that threw for 89 yards yesterday and uh, lose by getting blown out to a team that threw for 89 yards. I think this has been one of the weirdest seasons of – weird stat games where the team ends up winning and uh, sometimes winning large without actually gaining any yardage. Yeah. uh, You know that I've been kind of on the Pittsburgh bandwagon pretty much all season long. So it seems like they finally uh, paid me back by uh, taking a little bit of the heat off my team. So. All right. Well, before we get into it, uh, I wanted to have a fun little conversation uh, about some stuff that, uh, was fun last week. Uh, Randy Moss popped on uh, Twitter or ESPN and uh, ranked his receivers, and he ranked himself number one and uh, ranked Jerry Rice number three, and then Jerry Rice, of course, had a little back and forth. And I was just curious. I wanted to get your rankings because I had an interesting take on the matter, and I wanted to hear who do you think is the best receiver? Well, I mean, um, just off the top of my head, you can't, you know, name whoever the top receivers without, you know, first naming Jerry Rice. I think that for just about anybody who's watched sports, doesn't really matter what era you've watched it. I think that he's pretty much the uh, consensus number one receiver in NFL history. Um, To me, he's the GOAT. Uh, It's just very unfortunate that he happened to be on the uh, opposing team uh, for most of the games that that the Rams had anything to do with them. But I think that Jerry Rice is probably the best. I think that Randy Moss is definitely up there. Uh, but there, you know, there's still a, a lot of big names that I think um, kind of go over the way, wayside. Uh, you know, I think even a guy like, I mean, I wouldn't consider him one of the, one of the better ones, but guys that probably don't get mentioned a lot, especially since they left the, uh, the spotlight guys like Chad Johnson, you know, he was uh 
he's pretty solid for for a several amount of years and uh, on a pretty bad team. So um, I think I, I really haven't put a list together as who my top guys are, but I think that as a wide receiver, you kind of expect him to go and put himself uh, in that number one spot. This is just the, how wide receivers are. That's their mentality. Um, don't want to call them divas, but they do have a reputation for being, uh, you know, attracted to the spotlight and, doesn't shock me that he put himself at number one, but I think anybody in the right mind would definitely say Jerry Rice is probably the best wide receiver ever. All right. So I, I figured you'd go with the uh, Jerry Rice. Now, I, if I was running a team and I was drafting a wide receiver and I had my choice and I knew about the careers, I definitely would go Jerry Rice because over the long haul, you're getting a steadier receiver. But here's where the butt comes in. I think if, say, the Monstars came down and we had to play a football game for the future (laughs) of the human race and they asked me which receiver in their prime I would want on that other side, I think I would say Randy Moss. Uh, I just think he's easily the most explosive and devastating receiver I had ever seen in my lifetime. Now, I can't go back... uh, past uh, the 1980s. I did not see that, see those guys. So, uh, you know, I have a almost a 40-year window of watching guys. I watched Jerry Rice. I've watched Randy Moss. If I was building a team, I would build it with Jerry Rice. But if I was playing a game for the human race, I think Randy Moss is the most devastating receiver I have ever seen in my life. He's literally like Tyreek Hill, except he's about 6'4", and his catch radius is just ridiculous. And the teams he played for with those quarterbacks, Brad Johnson, Dante Culpepper, Randall Cunningham, Jeff George, uh, they are all very mediocre, too bad quarterbacks. There's something to be said for Jerry Rice, who played in possibly the most devastating offense uh, really of all time with two all-time great quarterbacks in Joe Montana and Steve Young. So I would draft Jerry Rice and have him on my team for the long haul and build Super Bowl winners around him. But if I was playing a game for the human race, I think I'd lean Randy Moss there. Yeah, I no, I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, but I mean, in that same sense, even though I think uh, Randy Moss was a much better wide receiver overall and probably had a better career than he did. But I mean, that if you're saying like a one game type of situation, yeah, definitely Randy Moss would definitely be up there. You know, a guy like Tara Lowens, uh, who a lot of people don't like, but. Uh, I you would know, be scared he made a deal with the Monstars to save himself <laughs> and uh, kill the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that probably wouldn't shock me if it happened. But, you know, the guy was explosive. You can't take that away from him. It didn't really matter where he was. Uh, you know, he had some decent uh, quarterbacks to throw the ball uh, towards his direction. But, you know, he was explosive and, and he put up big numbers and didn't really matter where he went. Uh, he was always kind of a threat. Um I saw a a video recently of uh, him and uh, Kansas city wide receiver, Tyreek Hill uh, doing a a race and he's still in good shape, man. You know, it looks like he's still got that speed and he's got that big body, you know, big hands. Uh, He he seems like the prototype uh, wide receiver build. If you were building wide receiver, that's kind of the way you want to build them. So yeah, if, if I was building a 
football team. I definitely want uh, Jerry Rice. If I'm building a one-time team, uh, I'll take guys like uh, Randy Moss and uh, Terrell Owens. All right. Uh, get used to that content because uh, once uh, the NFL ends, uh, we might be having more and more of these conversations in March, April, and May. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that uh, detour from our recap and review segment. You know, also really quick, I would definitely put Bugs Bunny in there because it seems like he could definitely <laughs> use those ears to probably snag one out of the air. So, <laughs> All right, you use Bugs. I'll use uh, Taz, Taz as uh, my running back. So, uh... <laughs> He's got some good spin moves, man. That's probably a good choice. All right, uh, we'll move on to the games, and uh, we'll start out uh, with the Thursday game. Uh, we should have known. This started your week out poorly. You you were very bullish on our Thursday pick show about these uh these devastating Oakland Raiders. And uh once again they they devastated your soul. And uh that's going to be uh sort of the theory throughout this show of teams devastating your soul this week. Yeah, you know, I normally don't let people get into my head when it comes to uh NFL picks. I usually just kind of, you know, do my own thing. For some weird reason Maybe because I didn't like many of the games going into this into this week, I, I maybe might have opened myself to a little too much talk from uh, different people. But yeah, I it was a bad week. All right, Los Angeles Chargers thirty, Las Vegas Raiders twenty seven. Justin Herbert continues his good rookie season, twenty two of thirty two, three fourteen, two touchdowns. Eckler thirteen for sixty. Justin Guyton, four for 91. Hunter Hentry, five for 65 and a touchdown. We got a little Mariota action as uh, David Carr uh, pulled his groin muscle. Mariota came in, didn't look all that bad. Now, uh, granted, that was versus a terrible Chargers defense, but Mariota was 17 to 28, 226, a touchdown and one really bad pick that uh, cost him the game. But he did have nine carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 26 for 76 and a touchdown. Waller, 9 for 150 and a touchdown. Waller continues to be uh, really, really devastating. Uh, very impressive year from uh, Darren Waller so far this year. But uh, Thursday night game, what would you make of this game? Uh, other than it being really devastating to my confidence, uh, it, it was it was an okay game. Um, definitely not what I expected. I thought that the Raiders having something to play for would come out and, and kind of assert themselves a little bit more. I thought they'd probably step step up defensively. Um, obviously, we know that, you know, Herbert's been pretty much on fire all season long since, you know, he unknowingly became the starter. Uh, but, you know, this is uh, the seventh game with where Justin Herbert went for over 300 passing yards, uh, which is an NFL rookie record. Uh, you know, he, it's it's hard to really gauge how good he's been because you look at this team's record and a lot of it has to do, I, I think, with the coaching. So maybe this team, uh, you know, has a, a bright outlook going forward. But overall, I, I think it was a really poor performance by the Raiders. Uh, they they really needed this win, and they really shot themselves in the foot by um, by losing to the uh, the Chargers. Yeah, uh, both these defenses are, are really poor, and they need a lot of work. Now, uh, theoretically, uh, next season, Darwin James will return for the Chargers. Uh, granted, uh, we haven't seen him now for really two years, so there's no telling uh, what we get from him when he comes back. But uh, 
three years ago, <laughs> we're really dating ourselves, when he was healthy and uh, that Chargers uh, defense was in full force. They made a little bit of a run there uh, in the playoffs, but uh, I don't know what to expect from them. But their defense is really poor, and the Raiders' uh, defense uh, continues to just be a sieve. But a uh, couple questions. Future outlooks here. Who do you think has a brighter future, uh, the Chargers or the Raiders? The Raiders are 7-7. Seven and seven, The Chargers are 5-9. and nine. I'm just curious who you think uh, going into next season, uh, who you think will be uh, the better team. I, I think there have been decent spots uh, from both teams so far this year. I mean, I think that on paper, if you look at it, I think the Raiders probably have a better outlook. Uh, but given it the old eyeball test when it comes to actually watching the games, I think that uh, the Los Angeles Chargers actually have a brighter future. Uh, they seem to have a pretty young team, you know, with a lot of talent. Whereas in the Raiders, I think they've probably gotten the best out of car that they're going to get. And uh, he's not the type of player that's going to lead your team to victory on his own. He's definitely, you know, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a good quarterback. I'm not trying to take anything away from him or trying to, you know, down talk his, his ability. But I think that this is probably as good as Carr is going to get. And unless you surround him with uh, playmakers and weapons and a solid defense, I think that he's going to continue to struggle and you're going to get these eight and eight type seasons. Yeah. uh, I think I'd lean towards the chargers, but I do like the way this uh, Raiders offense has uh, sort of looked. I don't know if they can fill holes on their defense. This has now been a problem, uh, you know, two or three years running. Um, But the, uh, I think the biggest, you know, question uh, Chargers-wise is who's they're going to hire as a uh, coach. I- I'm assuming Anthony Lynn uh, probably is uh, out of here by the end of the year. Yeah, I, even though I was an Anthony Lynn defender early on in the season um, because I really liked the makeup of this team, I thought he did a good job at putting some players together. Uh, but ultimately, his coaching decisions have been, you know, pretty poor, uh, especially as the season has progressed. You've definitely seen his lapses uh, in coaching decisions uh, with clock management and things like that. Uh, so I think that I still lean to the towards the Chargers more. I, I feel like they probably have a little more youth on their side, and uh, their players have definitely shown some explosiveness and the ability to put up big numbers. Now, I think if they had a better coaching situation, that record might look a lot different, and we'd probably be singing a different story right now. Yeah. Um, last thing, what did you think of uh, Mariota? Uh, he got in there, uh, looked pretty good to me. Uh, it will be interesting next year if uh, maybe Gruden uh, tries to push Carr out and uh, uses Mariota. Uh, he looked uh, affected as a dual threat guy. Well, first off, I think that uh, Mar- Mariota, I'll go on record, but I, I said it a long time ago uh, when he was first drafted. I really wanted him on the Rams. I, I thought that he was – a uh, very humble quarterback, but yet he showed a lot of uh, promising signs uh, to to get a lot better. And unfortunately, his stint in uh, Tennessee didn't end too well. Um, and obviously, it worked out for the best for Tennessee. You see what they have now with Ryan Tann- uh, Tannehill. They're a playoff team. But I think he, he did well. Uh, you know, we haven't really heard much about him. Uh, he'd been really quiet, uh, especially being in a backup role. But I think that he's probably better than, you know, some starting quarterbacks in this league. And uh, maybe it opens up the door for him to possibly kind of do a Teddy Bridgewater type of situation, uh, especially if this injury to Carr is going to be a a persistent issue where Mariota gets to play a few more games. 
you know, we might see him, you know, maybe cash in either with the Raiders next season or maybe with some other team. But I think he did uh, pretty well coming in after not playing all season long. Yeah, you might still want him as your Rams quarterback. Listen, <laughs> uh, it, I'm not – I don't want to be, you know, a, a downer uh, from because of one game. But I tell you, I don't think that Mariota would have lost that game. Uh, Jared Goff is um, – I'm really down on Jared Goff this season. Um I wasn't completely sold on him during the draft. He grew on me as uh, he showed like a lot of improvement, but yeah, I, I right now, if you gave me the option of uh, losing that, that cap hit with, uh, with golf and uh, signing Mariota, I'd be game for that. But oh that's my. just me. Dark, that's just me. Dark, dark times in the, uh, the, the Achilles household. Dark times. Listen, this could definitely be, uh, you know, just, because of the uh, depression kicking in from that loss that I'm just rambling on complete nonsense. Uh, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of hate about my comments <laughs> here, but uh, I'm just, listen, don't pay any attention to me right now. I am hurt. And this is just my, uh, my emotional side talking. All right, we'll move on. I, I don't think we have to break down this game uh, too much. Uh, it was pretty much a snoozer and over in uh, the first uh, half, but uh Green Bay Packers 24, Carolina Panthers 16, Teddy Bridgewater 21 to 35, 258, Mike Davis 14 for 59, uh, DJ Moore 6 for 131, Aaron Rodgers 20 to 29, 143 touchdown, Aaron Jones 20 to 145, a touchdown, Rodgers also had a rushing touchdown, Alan Lazard 5 for 56. Uh, Packers uh, got up put this thing away and uh, sort of just uh, went into uh, let's get out of here mode in the second half. What'd you make of this? I mean, I just have a couple things. Uh, <clears throat> oh, sorry. Uh, DJ Moore and, um, and Anderson both uh, break a thousand yards. Um, you know, I think it's a pretty big accomplishment for a pretty young team. Um, and when I'm looking back at the scores, uh, the, you know, the Panthers have really like dating back to last season, I They've lost eight of 10 games by one score. So there's been a lot of games there where they definitely could have won. Um, uh, it's hard to really pinpoint uh, in each particular game what the turning point was. But, you know, I, I think that they're a pretty good team. They just have had some bad luck. And, uh, you know, maybe going forward, if they get to stay healthy, they're probably, you know, one of the uh, those sneaky teams that could uh, make some noise. Yeah, I I watched the first half of this game and uh, just was like, uh, Green Bay's really good. I think the this one with the uh, Saints loss and probably secured them the uh, number one seed uh, throughout the uh, uh, playoffs for uh, the NFC. I was a little... They didn't look all that comfortable playing in that cold weather. Rodgers looked a little creaky. Uh, any nerves about... Uh, this Green Bay team uh, playing in that cold weather. I mean, usually it's an advantage, but uh, there'll be no fans in those stands and uh, a sort of older quarterback uh, playing in real, real cold temperatures. Uh, any worry there? Uh, there is a slight worry. Um, and it's been one of those nagging things that has persisted pretty much for the entire season. I think that Green Bay is an offensive powerhouse, and that's pretty much what we know him for. But throughout the season, there's been lapses here and there defensively that have cost him a couple games and um, even almost cost him more games. There, there was plenty of situations like this particular game. I know that it wasn't technically as close as the score shows, but it's a one-score game. And yeah. 
there's several games if you go down this, their list of uh, of games this season where they could have very easily lost had you know you know one ball gone the other way or you know whatever the case may be. There's a lot of situations where they could have lost games, so it's a little concerning defensively if you're a Packers fan. But I think that offensively you're confident enough in that offense and uh, you know that combination of uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, to uh, Adams that you can feel confident of overcoming any type of laps your defense might have. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to the next game. Uh, it also will probably go over this quick because it was a massacre. Bills 48, Denver 19, Josh Allen 28 of 43, 59, two touchdowns. Zach Moss 13 of 81, Devin Singletary 8 of 68, Josh Allen 3 of 33 with two touchdowns. Really good game for Josh Allen. Uh, he just keeps growing into this season and is, uh, I think, starting to put his name up there in, uh, you know, that top echelon of uh, quarterbacks. Uh, Stefan Diggs, another ridiculous game, 11 of 147, Cole Beasley 8 of 112. Uh, this offense is just humming. And pretty impressive to do it uh, in Denver. Uh, Drew Locke, 20 of 32, 132, one touchdown. Gordon, 11 of 61, two touchdowns. Noah Font, 8 for 68, one touchdown. Really impressive by the Bills. Uh, uh, just uh, went in there, got the job done. And uh, this offense uh, just is growing every week and uh, looks really, really devastating. Yeah, I... I mean, there's not really much to take away from this game uh, for either side of the t- either side of the ball. I think that this game was mostly going to be about whether that Broncos defense could stop that uh, that Bills offense or at least slow them down. Um, I think that we all kind of expected Drew Locke to come back down to earth after a really good performance the previous week, and that's kind of what happened. But obviously, the uh, the Broncos defense couldn't do enough to stop uh, the Bills offense. Uh, they definitely seem to be humming and as I was looking at the numbers over the last uh, three seasons since he became the starter, his numbers have just continued to rise. And uh, I think that he's definitely knocking on the door to that, you know, elite quarterback uh, conversation. Uh, I don't think he's quite there yet because he still has some things to prove, but you know, overall they needed to win this game um, and they came out and they definitely dominated. And because of that, they clinched their first AFC title since 1995, which is uh, really huge. And uh, you know, congratulations to the bills mafia out there. Yeah, uh, well, I think we'll get into them a little more uh, once we go over this Chiefs game uh, uh, coming up, but uh, just really impressive by the uh, Buffalo uh, Bills, uh, and uh, way to clinch that division, uh, really just ran away with it. Um, We'll move on to this uh, next game. Uh, It was pretty much a snooze fest, but uh, that's what Cleveland has become uh, good at, winning uh, snooze fest games and uh, really uh, just sort of putting the game away and uh, walking away with a win. Uh, Cleveland 20, New York Giants 6, Baker Mayfield 27 to 32, 297, two touchdowns. Chubb 15 to 50 and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt 7 to 21, Higgins 4 for 76, Landry 7 for 61. Uh, Colt McCoy 19 to 31, 221, Alfred Morris 7 to 39, Gallman 9 to 29, uh, Darius Slayton 4 of 74. Uh, the only thing I can really uh, say here, uh, Brown's defense looks to be getting better. They are an interesting team. I, I don't know how far they can go, but uh, they really bully these uh, really poor teams. And uh, I think it, 
I should go in on the Giants a little bit here. Uh, clearly, uh, playing Daniel Jones last week was a looks more and more dumb because uh, he clearly wasn't healthy enough this week to play, and they had to go back to Colt McCoy. So uh, why was he healthy the week before? I thought they really blew a chance to sort of separate themselves uh, last week in the uh, NFC East. Uh, they should have gone with McCoy and held Jones out uh, an extra week, and they sort of put themselves in a really bad position here. But uh, what did you make of this game? Uh, what are you uh, liking from Cleveland right now? Well, um, I think that as far as this game's concerned, kind of the way I expected it to go, uh, Cleveland, I don't want to ruin the season or the uh, potential off, uh, postseason for Browns fans and jump on their bandwagon because it seems like every time I jump on their bandwagon, they throw up a dud. And um, so I'm, I will say this, they're growing on me. I think that uh, offensively they have a really solid rushing attack. And uh, that's probably one of the best things you could have uh, for a team, especially if you're missing some weapons in, outside in the wide receiver uh, position. You know, they still have some solid wide receivers enough to, you know, complement that run game. But I think that team revolves around that run game and that play action. If you can get that run game going, especially early on, it definitely opens up things a little bit more for Baker and uh, he's able to, you know, get that play action going and defensively they're getting better. Uh, They've, they've got some, some key players and I I think that they're probably better than a lot of people assume they are. Uh, They're not great by any means, but over the last few games, they've gotten a lot better. So it's definitely the time of year that you do want to get better defensively and the time of year that you want to establish the run. So uh, I think that they're kind of an interesting team, uh, especially if, you know, going into the postseason, um, they did manage to get the, uh, their 10th win, um, which is the first time since 2007 that they won at least 10 games. So, that's that's you know a milestone in itself. So I think that Browns fans should be excited, uh, especially as the season comes so close. Yeah, the only thing I'm a, would be a little concerned about is uh, this uh, AFC playoff race is uh, somebody who's going to be eleven and five. I think is going to miss the playoffs. I I think it might be the Dolphins, but uh, it could be any of these teams. It, it could honestly be the Steelers. It could be the Browns. It could be the Ravens. I mean, they're winning, but uh, there's no margin of error for any of these teams because none of them are losing, and they've all put themselves in position to win 11 games. And uh, it's just one of these teams is going to be heartbreaking when you go 11-5 and and miss the playoffs, and we're going to see a six-win NFC East team getting a home playoff game on the other side. Yeah, it definitely reminds me of uh, of a few years back when the uh, the Seahawks went seven and nine, and made it into the playoffs as uh, divisional uh, winners. And the Giants, I believe, had eleven wins and couldn't sneak into the playoffs. So it it you know it happens in the NFL. It's just the way it works. I know that a lot of people are very unhappy with uh, the current uh, playoff seating, but that's just the way it is, man. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for a lot of teams that happen to play really good football and just happen to be in a tough division. Um, but it, it is the way it is. And we've seen teams that come in as wild cards, you know, make a run in the playoffs and, and win the, uh, the Super Bowl. So it's not a foregone conclusion that, you know, a wild card team is not going to win, but I think that, you know, 
for the Browns, uh, you know, they, they came out and they took care of business. The Steelers are pretty much in at 13 wins. Uh, they're pretty much in. Uh, but there's the possibility that, like you said, either the Dolphins or the Ravens, you know, maybe even there's a few teams out there that have uh, the possibility of having a good record and not getting into the playoffs. Uh, I, I'm a couple of weeks ago, I was leaning more towards Baltimore, not making it in, but since they've been playing so well over the last few uh, weeks and even though Miami's been playing solid offensively, I'm just a little concerned that they can't put up the points well, to get the wins that they need. Yeah, They literally have no weapons at receiver. Now uh, they're, literally picking guys up off the street and putting them in at receiver and running back. So uh, that's a little bit concerning. But uh, we'll move to the next game. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, 32. New Orleans Saints, 29. Patrick Mahomes, 26 of 47, 254, three touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 14 for 79, but he got uh, hurt. And my guess is he's probably done for the year. They tried to sort of sort of mold it where he might be back for the playoffs, but uh, I didn't like the way that uh, looked, so I, I bet he's done, so it probably moves to Le'Veon Le Bell's show, 15 for 62 and a touchdown, Kelsey 8 for 68, uh, Tyreek Hill 6 for 53 and a touchdown, Drew Brees returned 15 to 34, 234, three touchdowns, interception, Kamara 11 for 54, uh, three catches for 40 and a touchdown, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, four for 76, and uh, they randomly announced like five minutes before the game they put Michael Thomas on IR so they could get him healthy for the playoffs. Uh, that would have been nice to know, I, I don't know, a week in advance before my uh, picks, but uh, hey, whatever. It is what it is. We got the push, so that's the way uh, life goes. Um, entertaining game, uh, interesting game, because really the Chiefs dominated this game, but... Uh, once again, the Chiefs keep the other team in the game, and uh, it really could have gone either way, but the Chiefs always seem to come out on top, but uh, maybe a little concerning for the Chiefs. I mean, definitely. We've talked about it a few times as the season has gone on. Uh, there's times when we don't even mention the Chiefs. They don't come up in conversations because of, you know, how lax of days ago, sometimes, sometimes the team seems it just – they're, they're always going to be a good team. You know, they have probably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, probably one of the best offensive units in the NFL. Their defense has always been suspect. Uh, and I don't think that's changed. They're going to definitely, if you're going up against the Chiefs, you, you know, as long as you show up offensively, you're going to be in the game. Uh, the, the, the struggle is always going to be shutting down that offense. And that's the reason why they've won so many games is because people have a hard time shutting down that offense. Um, you need a physical and, uh, you know, like a very physical defensive team to be able to get them off their game. And we saw that happen when the Raiders faced them. Um, the Raiders are a big bruising type of team, and although not as of late. But, um, you know, they came out and they kind of uh, – they, they punched back and I think it really caught Kansas City, you know, off guard. And that's one of the reasons why they have that one loss on the record. But, you know, for Kansas City, as far as they're concerned – They've won uh, 11 straight road games, and I think that's huge. You know, when you can win on the road, uh, maybe not so much this season because of COVID, but when you can win games on the road, you know, it, it's big, especially when you have a, a potent offense like that, uh, regardless of, again, go back to the Packers type of mentality. doesn't matter how bad that defense can play. You have Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. 
you know, you kind of expect uh, your team to come back and win that game. So I, I think that they not too much to worry about, but definitely some things that, you know, do bring up some concerns. Uh, this is where I wanted to talk uh, Bills. Where are we sitting here? Bills, Chiefs. I think it's becoming closer and closer. I, I think if you had asked me about four weeks ago, I would have said the Chiefs uh, cruise into the Super Bowl. But now, I think they can be nicked. Now, I don't think it's going to be the Steelers unless uh, miracles happen and uh, a lot of people get healthy. But uh, I definitely think this Bills team could give them a run. I don't count out uh, the Colts or Tennessee. And uh, honestly, uh, I'd be a little curious if they played the Ravens. So uh, where are you with this uh, right now as the Chiefs, uh, as a overall favorite to get into the Super Bowl? I, I think that they still have to be the favorite uh, simply for the fact that they're the chiefs or the defending champs. But I think that, you know, this season has been a really weird season. The NFL in general is usually a week to week type of uh, sport where we react to whatever we saw that week and our emotions and our rankings are based off of what we saw that week. And this season seems to really not just highlight that, but, you know, also amplify it. I feel like, with our COVID situation going on uh, every week seems like it could be the last week. And it's one of the reasons why we, we put so much emphasis into their performances week to week. If you would have asked me four weeks ago, I definitely would have said that I have a lot of confidence in the Chiefs making it to Super Bowl, and, you know, maybe struggle a little bit, but, you know, get there with some sort of ease just because of experience and playmakers. Obviously a few weeks later, and looking at the current uh, situation in the NFL and the AFC in general, I think that any team could beat them. I think that the Titans, for example, uh, really potent offense, almost built the same way that they are. They have a good quarterback. They have a better running game, uh, which is a plus for for the for Tennessee Titans, but also lacking defense, just like the Chiefs. Uh, Baltimore, pretty good defense, solid running game. No wide receivers. I think that every elite team in the AFC has flaws, uh, but I don't think the flaws are big enough to say decisively and and confidently that they would lose the Chiefs. I think that right now, any contender in the AFC has the possibility of winning, the, of beating the Chiefs, and uh, you know, getting past them in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, we'll touch on the Saints. It looks like they've uh, sort of packed it in now that they know they aren't getting the one seed and are uh, just going to sort of prep themselves for, for their playoff run here. Yeah, I mean, I was, it was good to see Drew Brees come back. Unfortunately, you know, he suffered a loss in his comeback. Uh, the big storyline in the game as the game was going was Drew Brees has never missed four completions in a row. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, the guy might end up with 35, you know, pass attempts and 30 completions. What does it matter if he misses his first five? You know? Yeah. It's uh, he, he obviously hasn't played in a few weeks. He's still banged up, obviously. So I think that they played a little too much into that. Uh, I don't think it was that big of a deal. Uh, he warmed up and kind of got back into rhythm as the game progressed. So I think as long as he can keep getting healthier and keep getting some reps, I think that this team is definitely one of those teams that you're uh, you know, afraid to face in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Okay, we'll move on. And uh, I'm going to need you to settle down here. I'm going to read this score. Remain calm. 
The New York Jets, 23. The Los Angeles Rams, 20. I will read these stats. I still want you to remain calm. Sam Darnold, 22 of 31, 207 and a touch. Uh, Frank Gore, 23 of 59 and a touchdown. Uh, Jamison Crowder, 6 for 66. Jared Goff, 22 of 34, 209. Two touchdowns, one interception. Akers, uh, 15 for 63. Uh, Higby, 4 for 67 and a touchdown. Woods, 6 for 56 and a touchdown. So I'm just going to go with it. What went wrong here other than everything? I don't know if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, my pooping moose toy <laughs> that drops little chocolate herds. That that's exactly what the uh, the Rams brought to the table. Um, not shockingly, though, uh, we've said it pretty much all season long. They've been a Jekyll and Hyde team, and there's a pattern to be followed there. Uh, and I'll get a little, I'll get into that in a little bit, but you know. This is the first one for the Jets since week 17 of uh, 2019. That That's the first thing I want to say. Second thing, it's the second time in NFL history that a team with at least 13 losses and no wins beat a team that had at least nine wins. This It was just a poor performance overall. I don't understand. Uh, and on both sides of the field, I mean, I'm glad for Jets and Jets fans. I'm sure that it's nice to get a win. Yeah, I'm sure they're really happy that Trevor Lawrence is now going to Jacksonville. This is the thing, you know, it's, I get that. And I get that ultimately you're playing for the draft, but you know, there's also something to be said about getting a win and not being shut out in a season as a fan. I know that, you know, you, you don't really have a team. I know that you kind of enjoy whoever puts a little green in your pocket that week. But, you know, for those of us that have a team that we follow, it feels good to get a win, and I'm happy for Jets fans that they got the win. It's just very unfortunate that it happened to be against my team in a very important game that we needed to win. Um, but I think the biggest storyline of this game is the fact that Cam Akers is out probably for the remainder of the, se- of the regular season with a high ankle sprain. Uh, the loss puts the Seahawks ahead of them in the race for the NFC West, and now uh, with this next game coming up against the Seahawks, it's huge. It's a must-win for the Rams. Uh, if they win, they've got the tiebreaker against them, so they take the lead. They definitely have to. They have to win out now. Their last two games, which just happen to be divisional opponents, uh, in order to win the West. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, as I'm looking at their record throughout the season, the roller coaster season. This is how it started off. It started off win, win, loss, win, win, loss, win, loss, win, win, loss, win, win, loss. I'm telling you, it's been a roller coaster. It's been a Jekyll and Hyde. There's a pattern here. If they follow this pattern, that means they're going to beat the Seahawks this week, and then they'll lose to the Cardinals in week 17. Uh, But that might be enough to get them the uh, NFC West um, championship. And if that's the case, they get a home playoff game, which at this point I don't think it really matters. I think that uh, you're more concerned with putting together the type of game plan that is a run-first offense and takes the pressure off of Jared Goff because Jared Goff has looked really poor all season long. Even in wins, he's looked really poor. Uh, he makes a lot of poor decisions. And ever since uh, they took the ability of McVay to basically stay in his ear um, until the clock started, ever since that happened, he's definitely digressed and, and it, there's been a slump there. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this team. I think that, um, 
you know, obviously they're my team and I'm going to support them, but if this type of play continues where, you know, you're forced to, you know, put the ball in Jared Goff's hands and have him win you a game, I don't see the, you know, I don't see a lot of possible, a lot of possible outcomes where uh, Ram fans come out happy in that. Yeah. Um, I didn't think the defense showed up, but uh, that doesn't concern me. You know, it's I'm assuming it was just one of those lazy weeks. They thought they'd come in and be able to, you know, cruise and uh, force their will on them, and they weren't. But uh, I, Sean McVay concerns me uh, a little bit here uh, concerning Jared Goff because they got behind, and uh, he didn't want to call deep passes. They stuck with that, uh, you know, intermediate-type game now uh you know, I, I think you see sort of Brandon Cook's loss uh, here. You, they don't have that deep down the field. I mean, their deep threat is Tyler Higby, uh, you know, uh, going down the middle. But uh, really, I, I thought what was concerning was more that uh, McVay didn't trust Goff to throw the ball down the field because uh, in that Raiders game, you saw it uh, even as they got behind the Raiders just continued to chuck that ball down the field, knowing they'd get behind that defense and, you know, come back. And I just, if you can't trust him to, you know, throw deep balls versus the Jets, how are you going to trust him for three games in the playoffs? Because you're surely going to get behind in one of those games. And uh, just uh, overall disappointing where uh, I'm sort of, I still think that defense can cause problems for anybody. But I just don't think they can win three games in a row in the playoffs uh, with uh, the quarterback that's uh, playing football right now for them. Not if they follow this pattern. There's no way they could do it. Um, I just, you know, to be a McVay defender here, I think that uh, his reasoning behind not allowing Goff to really just kind of chuck it downfield uh, is, one, that offensive line was horrible. Oh, I they, – they, the, yeah. They were sure, they, Goff they was, had, had people in his face the whole – time which is what made him really bad but uh I still thought they should at least taken more deep shots until that last series where they you know were chucking deep shots to Higby which is you know compounding the problem Higby can't be your deep threat the whole time they they need a a deep threat receiver and I that's just not in uh Cup or Woods uh sort of pedigree they're you know intermediate receivers great intermediate receivers great possession receivers but i thought uh more than anything you you sort of saw you didn't have that cooks to stretch the field in this one yeah and i again i think that part of the reason why McVeigh didn't allow it to happen is you saw that the offensive line was playing really poor Goff had pressure in his face basically all day but even in situations where he didn't have pressure in his face he was making some bad throws. He was overthrowing guys, underthrowing guys. Uh, you know, he had plenty of opportunities to where he had time and he must have felt pressure coming from somewhere. And he would just kind of, uh, you know, chuck it into the ground um, where he probably could have held the free there a second or two more and possibly something would have happened. Somebody would have opened up. Uh, I think that he probably just didn't really want to ruin Goff's whatever type of confidence he has left. He probably didn't want to ruin that going forward, uh, especially with this big game coming up. Uh, you know, it, the Jets game would have been nice to win, but it does it wasn't necessarily a must-win type of game uh, because the Seahawks game was going to be huge. Uh, and, it's you know, it's really hard for teams to go 0-16. I think there's only been two teams that have ever done it. Uh, you knew that the Jets, the possibility of them winning one game was pretty high. Um, I just didn't think this was the week that anyone was expecting it. But, you know, kudos to Jets fans. I know that they're probably 
a little, you know, uh, bittersweet right now with the possibility of losing out on, you know, your future quarterback, but at least you get to celebrate this week. So that's something. Yeah. That's enjoy fields. He couldn't even tear up Northwestern, but uh, I'm sure he'll dominate NFL defenses. All right. We'll move on to a really entertaining game. Uh, Eagles 26 Cardinals 33 Jalen hurts uh, 24 of 44, 338, three touchdowns. Miles Sanders 17 for 64 hurts 11 for 63 and a touchdown. Ertz, two for 69. Kyler Murray, uh, 27 to 36, 406, three touchdowns. Interception, Chase Edmonds, 11 for 47. And uh, DeAndre Hopkins had a big game versus that uh, weak Eagles secondary, nine for 169. Touchdown, entertaining game, but uh, I thought the Cardinals were uh, sort of in control for most of it, though. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of the way I expected this uh, this game to go a little bit. I thought that Philadelphia might show up a little bit more. The only really thing that I have to say about this game, um, other than Jalen Hurts, even in a loss, looked better than what Wentz has looked pretty much all season long. I don't know if the ability, uh, his ability to be able to, you know, kind of scramble out of the pocket and uh, buy a little more time is uh, the reason to his, I don't want to say success because they didn't win this game, but the reason to the better play at quarterback, at least uh, my, my biggest takeaway from this was the fact that that botched extra point. Yeah. Uh, that thing was huge, man. You know, uh, not just for, for me Bosh. or you, <laughs> but for a lot of people that botch kick really swung. I'm talking about millions of dollars in Vegas. And um, I think that was probably the biggest takeaway from this game. Overall, uh, the Arizona Cardinals needed to win this game to keep their hopes alive and uh, they came out uh, being the better team, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah. All right. Uh, good game from Kyler, Kyler Murray. He had a handful of bad games. Uh, he's looked good the last two weeks, so uh, we'll see if the, they can get back on track. Uh, they're on pace to be in the playoffs, but uh, they got to keep winning. Yeah, I think they pretty much have to win out, uh, which if, they, if the Rams win that next game against Seattle um, – I don't know exactly what the game plan would be going into that week 17 matchup between uh, Arizona and, and uh, Los Angeles. So it's going to be interesting going forward to see what happens, but uh, close with two division games, San Francisco and uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. So, I mean, they Arizona needs to pretty much win out uh, just to kind of ensure themselves being in the playoffs, but you know, it's a crazy season, man. Anything could happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to dedicate this one to our boy fish. Uh, I'm going to get these boys in the playoffs. Uh, I'm their good luck charm. I bet on them two weeks in a row, and we're riding high. I'm telling you, I'm forcing them in the playoffs, and they can draft that linebacker late in the first round, and uh, he cannot have a uh, good high pack. But uh, Cowboys, 41. San Francisco, 33. Uh, I don't know if this was a great game to watch. I was watching it because I had a bet on it. both these teams, I will say, looked uh, terrible. But uh, somebody had to win. The Cowboys win and uh, put themselves uh, right back in contention to uh, win the NFC East. Uh, Nick Mullins, 21 of 36, 219, two touchdowns, two interception. Mozart uh, does what Mozart does. 14 for 68 was dominating the game. And then, of course, got hurt and had to leave. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. came in, 16 for 60, and a touchdown. Kendrick Bourne, uh, 
caught a Hail Mary at the end, so his numbers are skewed. Four for 86 and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk did play well, nine for 73. Andy Dalton, 19 for 33, 209, two touchdowns. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott was out, and uh, there was life at running back. Uh, Tony Pollard, 12 of 69, two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb, five for 85. And Pollard, six catches for 63 yards. So, uh, Cowboys have some life again. Uh, I don't know how to analyze this game. Like I said, it was two really bad teams playing, but uh, what'd you make of it? See, I don't think it was two really bad teams. I think it was one bad team and one mediocre hurt team. Um, And the bad team won. Uh, You know, they came out and they, they, I don't want to say dominate, but early on they took a big lead. I think that Mullins really cost them big in that game. Yeah, he did. Um, he had some early turnovers that were really costly. The uh, the the Cowboys took advantage of it, and uh, they they turned those turnovers into points. I believe they had at one point seventeen points off turnovers or something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but you know, good win for the Cowboys. Uh, as of late, they've they've been getting better defensively. Um, I don't think you could get any worse than what they were. So that's, it helps uh, play Cincinnati and San Francisco in back to back weeks. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a, but you know, the Cowboys over their last five games have eleven takeaways, where I think they had seven in their first uh, uh, ten games. I don't know what the count was, but they they basically they've had a lot of turnovers uh, as of late, and it's helped them out uh, because they do need some things to kind of fall in their favor. Um, they need Washington to lose a couple of games uh, and they pretty much control their own destiny at that point where they could still win the East and maybe make the playoffs. Um, how far can they make it? The way that they're currently built with all their injuries, I'm not too confident that they're, uh, you know, making it past the wild card round, but you know, getting into the playoffs after a bad season and all the injuries that they've suffered, is a win in itself. And um, at this point, you're not going to get a really high draft pick. You're kind of middle of the pack uh, because there's so many bad teams uh, within that division alone that it hurts your, your playoff, your, uh, your draft seedings. So at this point, you can just kind of hope like, listen, if my team get into the playoffs, anything could happen. You never know. Freak accidents, freak games. It happens. So I think that they'll take this win and uh, just kind of keep moving forward. So congratulations, Fish. Your team is a winner. Yeah, uh, he was very angry at me over the weekend because uh, I'm going to force this team in the playoffs. I'm taking it again this week. My good <laughs> luck, Mojo, is going to ride him into the playoffs. As all long right. as I don't pick them, they're going to win. That's all That's all there is to it. All right, we'll move on uh, to the other NFC East. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, uh, I I don't even know how to describe this one. One, 2015, uh, Russell Wilson was really uh, sort of poor, but uh, 18 for 27, 121, touchdown pick. Uh, Chris Carson, 15 for 63. Carlos Hyde had one big run, two for 55 and a touchdown. Metcalf, five for 43. Haskins uh, threw a lot because uh, the football team has no running backs to speak of, uh, 38 for 55, 295 touchdown interception, uh, McKissick 13 for 51, uh, Logan Thomas 13 for 101. Uh, this game was sitting here on a platter for Washington to win it. Uh, Seattle was asking to be beaten this game. And, uh, I thought Haskins, uh, 
he one looked in shape. I, uh, when I turned the game on, I was stunned at how thin he looked. So at least he's taken that part of uh, his fitness uh, seriously. Uh, I might get into his poor decision making after the game, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I saw throws from Haskins that uh, looked good, uh, but uh, too many turnovers, poor decision making. And uh, I thought this game was there. I thought if Smith had been in there, I think they would have snuck this one out. Yeah, for those for those uh, people that are listening and not watching, I just put my face mask on my face, uh, just just as a reminder to Haskin. Um, it goes on the face, buddy. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is a, a one of those games where it's a little concerning for Seahawks fans, uh, especially this late in the season when Russell Wilson doesn't play like we expect Russell Wilson to play. Uh, they're going to be in tight games. And even against a depleted uh, Washington team offense, their defense did enough to slow down that Seahawks offense. And they were in it. It was a close game. It was a one-score game. Um, so it's a little concerning, I think, for Seahawks fans uh, going into into this last couple games of the season. Um but I, I I still think that it's being overlooked because of how bad that Rams performance was against the Jets. Uh, when I looked at the line early on this week, the Seahawks seem to be a favorite, and that line seems to be trending upwards. Uh, seems like people are really putting some money on the Seahawks to win that game against the Rams. But if they play the way they played against this Washington team, I think that the Rams have a little bit better offense than Washington does and probably – good enough for better defense uh, to match that Washington defense. So it could be a little concerning for uh, Seahawks fans going forward, but you know, they got the win, which is the important thing. And they clinch uh, a playoff berth, which is also huge. So at least they're guaranteed, you know, a run at the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, at least they'll get their shot. Uh, but uh, they're like Pittsburgh right now. I'm putting them on their fading and uh, they're fading quick. Uh, Russell does not look right. Um, the running game looked uh, okay. Uh, their defense, I guess, was all right. It's at least uh, forcing some turnovers, but I thought this game was on a platter. Uh, Haskins make a couple more throws, and I think they're right in it. But uh, honestly, I thought Haskins played pretty well, especially in that second half. And uh, But then I, I read the stupid thing today where after the game has just bad decision-making. I think... Uh, you know, if he doesn't make that stupid decision to go to the strip club, which I don't care about, uh, I might not choose to do it in the middle of a pandemic when, I, you know, I'm going into the locker room with a whole bunch of team and my team's fighting for a playoff spot, but to do it and then not wear a mask and you know you're going to get caught because everybody in the world has a camera on their stupid phone. It's just, uh, it speaks more to his poor decision-making and, uh, I think uh, Alex Smith, they said, might be back, but I thought maybe they'd stick with him if uh, that stupid stuff hadn't come out Sunday that after the game he decides to just be a total moron. Well, you know, as I was uh, watching sports news this morning, from what I heard, there's a possibility that Alex Smith might not come back this week. And if Alex Smith doesn't come back this week, Allen being out, and now Haskin violating the uh, the protocols for, you know, COVID-19 safety, I believe he has to be quarantined now because he was out there without protection. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, I mean face mask because when you hear about a quarterback at a strip club without protection, you think other things. But uh, he was out there without his face mask. And now I believe he has to go into quarantine. So there's a possibility, uh, which, Fish, if you're listening still, this helps your team because you need Washington to lose. And there's a small chance that they might not have a quarterback going into that week. I don't know if they have somebody on their practice squad they can bring in or what the scenario is. But even so, they would still need a backup quarterback, an emergency quarterback. And I don't know what the situation is there. So I think that going forward, this will be one of those uh, interesting storylines, especially for the NFC East and all the fans there. Yeah. uh, The last I read, uh, they said Alex Smith might be healthy, which I I think they might, you know, have to force him back. if they have to uh, quarantine Haskins, because I don't think Allen is going to come back at all. All right, we'll move off this game. Uh, We'll go to uh, a game that pretty much made me stop wanting to watch football, but uh, you'll never guess. The Falcons dominated the first half and uh, were looking great, and the Bucs looked like crap, and then, uh, of course, the Falcons do Falcon things. Completely melted, blew the game. Uh, Matt Ryan did Matt Ryan things, taking unnecessary third down sacks. Um, Tom Brady, uh, 31 of 45, 392 touchdowns. Fournette, 14 for 49, two touchdowns. Evans, 6 for 110. Uh, Matt Ryan, 34 for 49, 356, three touchdowns. No one ran the ball uh, worth anything. Uh, Ridley, 10 for 163 and a touchdown. Russell Gage, uh, 5 for 68 and a touchdown. I don't know how much we want to go over this. Uh, This is uh, Groundhog's Day. Falcons good, Falcons bad, Tampa bad, Tampa good. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. The only thing I just want to add to that is uh, Tom Brady went to 7-0 against the Falcons. Uh, That's including the playoffs. So it seems to be their kryptonite, uh, but they also seem to be their own kryptonite this season. So that's not saying much. Yeah. Uh, Anything else on this game you wanted to get into? I just, you know, Matt Ryan, uh, I'm not sure what's going on with him. There was a few instances where I saw that he was uh, out of the out of the pocket and he was pressured, but he could have simply just thrown the ball away, dumped it off somewhere, and he took a sack in situations where he didn't need to take a sack. So I thought he had some uh, poor decision-making, which is something I'm not used to seeing from him. But, you know, overall, the Bucs, a uh, good comeback victory for them. They needed this win to stay uh, live in that uh, NFC South race. So uh, good for them. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to a game that was Groundhog's Day. Essentially, it played out the same way two weeks ago that it played out uh, this week. Indianapolis Colts 27, Houston Texans 20, Deshaun Watson 33 of 41, 373, two touchdowns. Uh, David Johnson returned 11 catches, 106. Uh, Phillip Rivers, 22 for 28, 228, two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor, 16 carries for 83 yards and a touchdown. Zach Paschal, 5 for 79 and two touchdowns. The thing was, uh, Texans driving down. Texans get to the goal line. Texans fumble the ball and uh, lose the game, which is pretty much the exact way this game played out two weeks ago. So uh, do we just want to insert our commentary from that game in here? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're the editing champ here, so uh, I'm just going to go ahead and have you paste and copy whatever I said last time around. Uh, Maybe you could add this, though. Sean Watson is the uh, seventh quarterback in NFL history with 4,000 passing yards and at least 25 passing touchdowns uh, in two of the first four seasons. So uh, he's got that to look at this season and say, I accomplished this. Yeah, uh, 
I, I feel that he is going to be on the uh, Matthew Stafford train of uh, irrelevant stats and uh, losing records for uh, pretty much the rest of his time. Yeah, I mean that that trade still boggles me. That whole getting rid of uh, of Hopkins is this team would be so much better with him there that it's it boggles me still, but. I guess that's why they have a whole new uh, front office now. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll move on to a game that uh, pretty much needs uh, no uh, analysis other than the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are smartly doing their job to achieve the quarterback of destiny in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Minshew, 22 at 29, 226, two touchdowns. James Robinson, 16 at 35. DJ Chark, f- 4 of 53. Lamar Jackson, 17-22, 243, three touchdowns, interception. Uh, Dobbins, 14 for 64, and a touchdown. Uh, Marquise Brown, uh, 6 for 98. Mark Andrews, 5 for 66, and a touchdown. Uh, I got the late feel that the Ravens were going to do their thing, and they're back on track and uh, humiliating these uh, low-level teams, and that's pretty much exactly what happened here. Yeah, uh, the Baltimore Ravens have won three straight games after losing four of their last five games. So uh, they've been on fire lately. Offensively, they seem to have gone back to the uh, to last year's Ravens offense, which included a lot of uh, you know running from their quarterback, which is definitely one of the reasons why he was uh, one of those MVP candidates last season, and uh, one of the reasons why they were contenders in the AFC. And uh, they seem to have gone back to that, which has helped them a lot, especially since they lack, you know, weapons on the outside. Um, but, you know, they, they, they've they been really good lately. And uh, they, they're getting hot at the right time. They do need some things to fall in place for them in order to get into the playoffs, even as good as they're playing. There's a possibility they might not make it. Now, that being said, I still think they can sneak in there. Uh, I think that they're good enough offensively and their defense is good enough to keep them in games going forward enough to at least give them a shot to get in. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars on the other side of the ball have allowed 24 points per game in 13 straight games, uh, which is, uh, I think, close to last in the NFL, if not last in the NFL. So um, defensively, they're they're a really bad team. Uh, offensively, they have some promising rookies, um, especially at the running back position. I think that if they can somehow manage to get that number one pick and bring in a guy like Trevor Lawrence, uh, I think that it only improves that offense, but they still have to do something defensively because this is not Saxonville that we're used to seeing from, you know, a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. Uh, looks like the Ravens are starting to find their stride. Uh, we'll see if they can uh, sort of finish this thing out and uh, get themselves in the playoffs. Uh, we'll move on to our next game, which, uh, doesn't need to be analyzed all that much either. Uh, Detroit Lions 25, Tennessee Titans 46, uh, Stafford 22 with 32, 252 and a touchdown. Uh, DeAndre Swift 15 for 67, two touchdowns. Marvin Jones 10 for 112 and a touchdown. Tannehill 21 to 27, 273, three touchdowns. Derrick Henry uh, 24 for 147 and a touchdown. Corey Davis 4 for 110 and a touchdown. Uh, this was the uh, prototypical Lions game. It probably should be uh, just uh, copyrighted. Uh, a whole lot of yards, and uh, they get killed and lose. So what'd you make of it? You know, I watching this game, I thought that going into the uh, third quarter, 
Uh, it was a lot tighter than what the score, what the final score uh, reads. Well, yeah, if Swift doesn't fumble that uh, ball on the goal line, I, I think this gets a little tighter. But uh, the Lions were stopping no one in this game. I was a little concerned for our colleague uh, Dynamite David because he was sending off texts as he usually does prior to you know kickoff. Um, he was letting me know that you know the defense was getting a, a key player back and that was going to improve their defense tremendously. Um, so I was looking forward to it for him. You know, I was really happy for him. And as they the game only was gave going, up 430 yards of offense. Well, as the game was going on, I was uh, I was a little shocked. Now I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's his first game back, and I don't know how many weeks he was out. Has he played at all this season? No. Yeah. So you know, there's got to definitely be some rust there. But you know, maybe going forward, it does help their defense out, which they could really use to help defensively. Offensively, they're a juggernaut. They're a powerhouse. Um, they're going to put up big numbers pretty much week in and week out. Uh, they've shown it against good defenses. They can put up big numbers. So I think that the Titans are one of those teams that you're scared to play with, uh, and they have a good shot being just about anybody. As long as that offense is humming, uh, they're good to go, both Derrick Henry and uh, and the quarterback, uh, Tannehill. Tannehill. Yeah, sorry, drawing a blank there. Both of them look, uh, look really good, and they played pretty solid all season long. Um, they reached 10 wins for the first time since uh, 2008, I think. So that's also an accomplishment. But unfortunately for them, they're in a really tight race in that division, and uh, they still have to keep winning in order to lock in their playoff spot. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, we'll move on uh, to a sort of a game that uh, kept one team alive in the playoffs. Chicago Bears 33, Minnesota Vikings 27. The Bears are alive. One more year for Nagy. Come on. <laughs> as long as he doesn't switch quarterbacks, I think he's pretty much got another year in him. Yeah, well, he finally discovering maybe uh, sort of mold your system to the quarterback you have and don't try to bring in some crappy quarterback that your crappy system doesn't work with. All right, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, 15 to 21, 202, one touchdown, one interception. He also discovered that uh, running the ball works in the NFL. Uh We'll come to that later with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals as well. Uh, David Montgomery continues his dominant hot streak the last five weeks. 32-146, two touchdowns. Allen Robinson, four for 83. Kirk Cousins, 24 for 35, 271, two touchdowns and one interception. And uh, one angry uh, Jordan Jefferson. It took uh, 13 weeks before he angered that receiver with his... uh, Poor quarterback play. Delvin Cook, 24 for 132, one touchdown. Jordan Jefferson, 8 for 104. Uh, good game for the Bears. Keep themselves alive in this playoff. Stay right on the uh, Cardinals uh, behind right there. Uh, it pretty much will come down this uh, upcoming week uh, versus uh, Green Bay, but uh, I, I think they can win that Jacksonville game this week and then uh, close out Green Bay. Uh, will be very interesting to see if this Bears team who uh, started out, uh, I don't want to say hot, because I think we all thought they were fraudulent, but uh, started out with a lot of wins, uh, was more than atrocious uh, in the middle, and are are closing with a, a nice kick down the stretch here. Yeah, I mean, over the last three games, they put up at least 30 points for the first time since 2013. So offensively, they've been humming, but I don't think it's just offensively. I think that it's a combination of all phases of the game. 
I think that defensively they've stepped up their game in certain situations. Uh, special teams, they've played, you know, solid special teams play. And um, offensively, they've done enough to put up points. I think that a lot of it revolves around the running game. Um, like you said, they started off, I believe it was 5-0 and before they suffered yeah. a few losses. So, um, you know, I, I when I looked back on it a few weeks ago, uh, I didn't understand why they made a switch to quarterback when they were undefeated. Um, it really shifted the, uh, the, the momentum in that team, but it seems like they're kind of, you know, getting back into stride now. Um, if they continue to put up points this way and there's a, there's a good shot. They make it into the playoffs. You know, um, they're obviously controlling their own destiny. They have to try their best to win out these next few games. Especially that last if one. Green Bay has nothing to play for that last game. Uh, they could very easily go nine and seven. And, uh, if the Cardinals drop one, it could be the Bears getting in that spot. Yeah, for both teams, for both Arizona and Chicago, they're both in situations where they have to try their best to win out games. Uh, like you said, there's a good possibility Green Bay has nothing to play for in uh, Week 17, which would make it a lot easier for Chicago to possibly sneak in by getting an easy win against backups. But, again, you know, they control their own destiny, and I think that at this point after that, you know, stretch of bad games, uh, when they had Foles under center, I think that all Chicago fans will take this and run with it. And, uh, you know, they, they'd rather have, you know, hold their own destiny in their hands uh, as far as getting into the playoffs goes, as opposed to just being one of those six and 10 type of seasons. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the New England Patriots, Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins won 22 to 12. Cam Newton actually threw for some yards today, but, uh, the passes still looked uh, very interesting, let's say. Uh, I no longer think he has a shoulder in that uh, arm of his, but uh, 17 to 27, 209. Sony Michelle, 10 for 74. Uh, Myers, 7 for 111. Two ahead uh, was 20 of 26, 145. Interception and two rushing touchdowns. Salvian Ahmed uh, continues 23 of 122 and one touchdown. Husky pride, baby. Uh, and uh, I don't even, these receivers are uh, literally off the street receivers. None of their, like, top four receivers on their depth chart are playing. Uh, Durham Smythe, the tight end, <laughs> was their leading receiver of the game, 5 for 40. I don't think anyone had that uh, coming into the game. Lynn Bowden, 6 for 37. Uh, and that's pretty much the Dolphins. Uh no receivers anymore. Uh, they're sort of finding ways to win games. Uh, impressive to come out on top. They are on their fourth or fifth running back, but uh, he's running the ball well. So I think you got to give a lot of credit to uh, this Dolphins team finding ways to win games. But uh, they're starting to run very, very thin on weapons here. Yeah, uh, you know, for them, it's very unfortunate that they're losing weapons at this point in the season when they have a good shot at making the playoffs for the first time in a while. Um, you know, on the other side of the ball, Cam Newton, I was uh, that comment you made was really interesting uh, as far as him not having a, a shoulder. Um, I went back and looked at some tape before he joined the Patriots, and I saw something interesting. There was this one particular game where I saw something come out of the sky. And it looked like one of the characters from Space Jam. And he went up to him and touched him. And I just saw Cam Newton do like a little shake and shake and roll thing. And ever since then, he's been playing poorly. I think 
that this whole Monstars thing you have going on. Double Space Jam I, references today. How exciting. I, I think it's happening, man. I think we're getting ready for the offseason now. <laughs> I, I think that they took his power away. Now it's up to the uh, to the uh, Jerry Rice's and the uh, the Randy Mosses of Earth to get Cam Newton's swagger back because he definitely looks like he's not himself. Um, I, I don't want to say he's done, but he's taken a lot of punishment over his career in Carolina. And even now being a, a one of those type of quarterbacks that runs the ball, even as big as he is, he's taken a good deal of punishment and it's starting to show. I feel bad for him. Uh, he was really disappointed in his own performance. He tweeted out, you know, saying that he didn't uh, live up to the Patriots expectations. And I don't think that, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad to say because he had an okay season last season and you thought this would be a season for him to redeem himself under coach Belichick, but it just wasn't meant to be um, came down with the COVID thing early on. And uh, it, it was just, it was a bad season for him and I feel bad, but you know, the dolphins they're on the up and up and coming, you know, uh, list and they need to get healthy, uh, especially if they're going to have a shot. I don't know what their chances are now with all their uh, banged up wide receivers, but you know, Tua becomes the first rookie quarterback to defeat the Pats since Geno Smith did it in uh, week seven of 2013. So that's another thing that going into this game was a little concerning. I thought Belichick might uh, outcoach uh, the quarterback uh, mentally, but you know, Tua came out on top. Uh, I don't know how he did it, but he did it and uh, he should be proud of that. And uh, Dolphins fans, this isn't a real shocker for them. They're used to beating the Patriots at home. So um, yeah, I mean, just, Sad that the Patriots are going to miss the playoffs for the first time since 2008. Yeah. Uh, while I was watching this game, I, I thought a, a fun little parallel here, you know, comparing uh, Cam Newton, who who seems done, and uh, like Alex Smith, who's still sort of able to be competent here. I, I thought of a boxing thing. I, I analogized Cam as like Roy Jones Jr. He was this ridiculous, uh, unique uh athlete who could box and go, you know, 12 rounds without getting touched, throwing 10 punches around and hitting somebody eight times. And uh, essentially that's what Cam was. He was a unique uh, unicorn type player. But uh, once the body broke down and much like Roy, once his body broke down, you know, he started getting starched and knocked out and he was never able to sort of see those heights. But then uh, you take uh, somebody who was on the same, uh, in the same time as uh, Roy Jones, Bernard Hopkins, who was able to extend his career out. Now, he was nowhere, nowhere near the type of uh, unique uh, unicorn uh, boxer that uh, Roy Jones was, but he sort of had to learn and find ways to do it. And uh, so when Bernard's body broke down, he was still able to be effective because he knew these little tricks and uh, things to do to sort of preserve himself uh, and keep himself sort of relevant in the, the boxing game. So that sort of uh, crossed my mind as I was watching this game. I think Cam is uh, Roy Jones Jr. He was great. He was wonderful. He was a star. and But I, I think that body's done, and it's probably done for Cam now too. Listen, we've seen it, you know, countless times over and over again, especially at the quarterback position, uh, you know, and it probably it's probably more, more relevant at the quarterback position. Um, athleticism can get you places, but it can only get you so far. Uh, whereas an IQ, 
will get you a lot further. And we saw it in guys like Peyton Manning, the sheriff. He wasn't the best athlete. You know, whenever you saw him scramble for two yards, uh, it was uh, it was shocking in itself. And uh, it wasn't very graceful to watch. But he had the he had the mind. He had the IQ for it. Uh, you see it with Tom Brady. You see it with a lot of different quarterbacks. And I think Alex Smith is one of those guys, although a little bit more athletic than guys like Manning and them. Uh, he is also a very cerebral type quarterback. And uh, that's one of the reasons why he's still playing and why he could still be relevant, uh, especially if he gets healthy and gets to play again. Yeah. I, I also don't want to make it like I don't think Cam Newton is smart or doesn't know football. Oh, no, no, he, not, not he, at all. He just had a unique skill set. His body was different. He played football like no one else, and that's where I get the Roy Jones. Roy boxed like nobody else. And so once that style, you can't do it anymore – you're left like, what am I going to do? Cam wasn't going to be a pocket passer. He certainly can't be a pocket passer now because his shoulder's not capable of really throwing the ball anymore. Yeah, I don't know if there's some lingering issues there or if there's some, you know, uh, it could be one of those situations where, you know, COVID affects people long after it's been. It could be one of those situations. I don't know yet. Um, He obviously doesn't look like he did last season. And last season, he didn't look that good to begin with but he looked a lot better than he does this season, at least uh, throwing the ball. Yeah. But it it could just be one of those things where, you know, maybe he's still suffering, you know, from the side effects of, of dealing with COVID. Um, And if that's the case, maybe he's a different quarterback next season, but again, I don't know where he'll be next season. And I don't know if he'll even be in the NFL next season. And if he is, I'm sure that teams will definitely take a look at, uh, at his arm and see if it's got anything left in it. Yeah, definitely. All right. We'll move on to the Monday night game. Pittsburgh Steelers 17, Cincinnati Bengals 27, Ben Roethlisberger 20 of 38, 171 touchdown, one interception, Benny Snell 18 for 84 and a touchdown, Deontay Johnson 8 for 59 and a touchdown. Guess what? The Bengals figured it out. With crappy quarterbacks, maybe don't throw 40 times a game. 7 of 13, 89 and a touchdown for Ryan Finley. But guess what? They had a ton of carries. Gio Bernard, 25 for 83. Ryan Finley, 10 for 47, two touchdowns. The Bengals figured out how to play football a little bit, and they ended up winning this stupid game and winning it pretty easy. It only took Zach Taylor losing his franchise quarterback, having a really rough season, and going up against you know what a lot of people considered probably one of the top teams in the AFC for him to figure out that, hey, let's run the ball some. And uh, you have a chance at some success at that point. Uh, but, you know, good for them. They they came out and they punched the Steelers in the mouth and uh, Juju and his uh, TikToking, uh, you know, on the logo, the big controversy of the Monday Night Football game. Uh, you know, it, it just, the Steelers had a really rough game. Uh, they didn't show up. I think that they overlooked the Bengals, and you can't overlook anybody in the NFL, as uh, evidenced from the uh, L.A. Rams-New York Jets game. You can't overlook anybody regardless of record, regardless of personnel, because they're all professionals, and regardless of whatever you may want your team to either tank for a pick, these guys have some pride left, and and they all want to compete. And they come out, and that's what they exactly what the Bengals did. They came out and they competed, and they put together a good game plan, and they came out with the win. So, you know, the Steelers now lose three straight after starting 11-0. and 0, And uh, the last team to do that uh, was the 69 Rams. So there's a little bit of a trend going on here also. Um, 
as far as the Steelers are concerned, uh, you know, over the last three games, I think they've averaged 16.3 points per game, uh, which is like bottom half of the end. If I think it's like 28th, 29th, something like that. Uh, Their third down percentage, they're definitely last than that when I was looking at it. Uh, So over the last three games, they've played really, really poor. Um, I think the biggest question mark now is not so much what happens this season because you're kind of going to roll with it. But I think the question now becomes what happens during the off season uh, with that big payday coming up for big Ben, Uh, because the way he's been playing lately, I think it's definitely uh, something that you have to be concerned about. Yeah. Uh, Only question on the Steelers. If they lost in the first round, how stunned would you be? Uh, On a scale from one to 10, I'd probably be a a four. Um, I don't think that the way they're playing right now would completely shock me if they lost a, a Super Bowl contender. But I mean, I'd be a little bit shocked, especially since they were so hot pretty much all season long, but we've seen it before where teams get really, really hot and they play well to start the season off. And then they kind of cool off and, uh, and mellow out as the season progresses. You know, you can't account for injuries. You can't account for uh, coach game plans and things like that. Uh, weather, those types of situations you can't account for. So the fact that they were uh, sitting at 13 and 0 was a huge accomplishment, especially after last season. But I wouldn't be shocked if they were a one and one and done type of team. I don't think they will be. I think they'll get it together enough to at least make it past the first round. But I, I still think there's some concern there. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go to our. You had one hell of a game. Best of the week. All right. So best of the week. Where are you going on the offensive side of things here? For best of the week on offense, I am going with Josh Allen, the quarterback of Buffalo. You know, Josh has been stellar this season. Uh, He's racked up 4,000 yards passing, uh, which is currently fourth best in the league, and 30 touchdowns to go along with 383 rushing yards and uh, eight rushing touchdowns also. And now the Bills are AFC East champs for the first time in a long time, and that makes you, Josh Allen, my Offensive Player of the Week. Guess what? Josh Allen, Offensive Player of the Week for me as well. We're on the same wavelength here. So let's move on to the defensive side of things. Who's your defensive player of the week? For defense, my defensive player of the week this week is the linebacker out of Tampa Bay, Devin White. Uh, He had 12 tackles, three sacks, two passes deflected, and uh, he helped his team uh, with the comeback victory against a divisional opponent. Uh, He seemed to be everywhere and was a constant nuisance to Matt Ryan and company. And that's why Devin White is my defensive player of the week. All right, good call. I I like Devin White, but I'm going with Darius Leonard, uh, probably the best linebacker in the NFL right now, and he made that ridiculous punch out right at the goal line to preserve the Chiefs' win there. So I'm going Darius Leonard on the defensive side of things. Where are you going, Coach, this week? So with Coach, I was thinking about going with Adam Gase, Uh, but I think that win versus the Rams actually hurt him more than it helped him. Uh, So instead, I'm going with Zach Taylor of the Bengals. Uh, in a game where no one gave them a shot, uh, he got his team ready and beat division opponent Pittsburgh, uh, getting them their first win at home versus Pittsburgh since week two of 2013. So Zach Taylor is my head coach of the week. All right. I'm going Kevin Stefanski. Uh, got the Browns to 10 wins uh, and now has them sitting uh right there to possibly steal this division, which I think a handful of weeks ago, I don't think any of us thought, but uh, I don't know if I love this team, but uh, 
It's doing what a lot of Cleveland teams couldn't do before, and that's finding ways to win games. So uh, Kevin Stefanski, my coach of the week. Terrible. Just terrible. All right, where are you going on the worst of the week offensive side of things? Uh, I hope you're ready, baby. I hope you're ready because I'm going to let you have it. Let's see, for worst of the week on offense, I'm going with the quarterback out of L.A., Jared Goff. Jared Goff continues his poor play. His numbers don't tell the whole story. I found myself screaming at him through my TV screen several times from 2,000 miles away. His lack of leadership and his poor decision-making cost him that game. Uh, I know that the offensive line had a lot to do with it, but there were several situations where he could have made something out of nothing, and uh, a true leader will make something out of nothing, and he definitely didn't show it. So this week, he's my worst offensive player of the week. Yeah, uh, I'm going with Jared Goff as well. So we're on the same wavelength of best and worst on the offensive end of things. What about on the defensive side of things? For the uh, defensive side of things, I'm going with the entire Rams defense. You know, I don't have much insight in the way of stats, but if I could choose one image to sum up the Rams defensive play, I would choose the image of an angry, angry Aaron Donald walking off the field as the Jets celebrate their first win of the season. You know, anytime you give up a loss to a winless team, especially the Jets, you're going to be on this list. So the Rams defense, you're my worst defense of the week. Yeah. Uh, you put the whole defense. I'm going to have to put this on a guy we love and put on the best defender and probably the best defender in the NFL. Uh, I think this is Aaron Donald. He he didn't do anything in this game. And uh, when that crappy offense couldn't get rolling, it, it was on him to put pressure and uh, cause things uh, problems for the Jets here. And uh, if you are going to be the highest paid defender and you're going to be Consider the best defender in the game. I wanted a little more pressure up the middle there. Uh, they let Darnold uh, sort of sit in that pocket too much. And uh, uh, the whole Rams defense was asleep. But uh, when that's uh, the case, I, I think uh, Darnold needs to take a little bit of the, that blame himself. You know, I, I get where you're coming from. And I was thinking about putting Donald on there. But as I watched the game, I felt like he, he, he caused enough havoc in a few plays here and there, it, you know, a lot of it had to do with the fact that the Jets were getting rid of the ball pretty quickly. Uh, so I put some of that on the linebackers and on the cornerbacks. Uh, there were several situations where they, the Rams defense held them to, you know, third and uh, mid third and long, and they would line up in a zone defense and line themselves outside of the, uh, the first down marker, which made no sense to me. Like, yeah, I understand you're trying to keep them from reaching that marker, but if you miss that tackle, you're, they're basically at the first down marker at that point. So uh, I put the entire defense in there as a unit because I thought it wasn't just on Aaron Donald. I thought that he did what he could in uh, the limited chances that he got. Yeah. All right. We'll move to coach. Worst of the week. And I'm following my trend. Uh, my worst coach of the week is Sean McVay. Uh, not much needs to be said here other than you were outcoached by Adam Gase. Uh, he didn't establish the run. Uh, and even when they were down and they had opportunities to make a comeback. He didn't seem to change the game plan up much. Uh, now you lose the guy who was supposed to be your go-to running back and, uh, and you lost to the jets. So basically you have to win out now um, in order to have a chance at win the NFC West, which is going to be tough going up against two divisional opponents. So for those reasons, 
as much as I love Sean McVay, he is my worst coach of the week. Yeah, I, I thought about putting McVay in there. I skewered him a little bit earlier, but I'm going to put Joe Judge in here. Uh, and this is basically a two-week thing. Uh, playing Daniel Jones last week in the Arizona Cardinal game when he clearly wasn't healthy, and then uh, then going back to Colt McCoy because Daniel Jones wasn't healthy just was a poor, poor decision. Your team had all the momentum coming off that uh, Seattle win. I know Colt McCoy, you don't want to put him out there, but uh, Arizona was way down. You played a hurt Daniel Jones. You could have got that win. You could have put this division away, and uh, now you've probably cost yourself the division because you're going to Baltimore this week and then finishing with Dallas. And uh, I just thought that was a really, really poor decision uh, at the very wrong time. You know, that's why you have a veteran like Colt McCoy in there so he can not crush you in uh, mop-up duty games like that when uh, your starting quarterback gets hurt and you should have played him versus Arizona. And then you compound it because then you cost yourself the Cleveland game right after that. Yeah, and, you know, your pick makes a lot more sense than mine does. Mine's definitely coming from a place of anger and hurt. Uh, but I, I had to, man, after this this performance, and, I, and I'll be over it, you know, as soon as uh, Thursday comes around, which, by the way, we'll, we'll be putting out a show on Thursday for those of you listening. Uh, we will have our pick show on Thursday, even though it is Christmas Eve. The special uh, Christmas Eve edition. Yeah, exactly. We're we're gonna try and get some gifts wrapped up for you guys and uh, and deliver these these uh, packages. But um, I'll be over it by Thursday when it comes to our pick show. And uh, maybe a lot of it of uh, my sourness also had to do with the fact that we had a well, I had a pretty bad week this week, uh, which is not something that I'm used to, especially throughout the season. Uh, I, I think all that was a factor, and that's why I put the entire rhymes on my worst of the week. <laughs> all right. That's our show for today. Please join us and listen to all our Football Time podcast. Uh, we just had a bowl selection pick show with our man Dynamite. David, how many of those bowls get played? I don't know, but I'm sure some of them will. And we have all your picks for all those bowl games. Me and the Achilles Reign just finished up our NBA preview. Be sure to listen to that on the Know It All podcast. You can get all our podcasts on greenlightnetwork.org. Where can we find you, Achilles? You can find me on uh, Twitter at TD Achilles. Uh, exact same thing on Instagram. You can find me on YouTube at That Dude Achilles. I'm GLN Champ 5 on both Twitter and Instagram. That's our show, and we're out.